0: Out here in the perimeter there are no stars Out here we is stoned, immaculate Hello and welcome, this is the C86 Show I'm David Eastall, as you know we love a special guest This week it's going to be the turn of the musician Songwriter Michelle Michi Chong, Who I spoke to to find out more about life, love and poetry Was in a lot of bands as you will find out Including the Seeds of 77, Suck Henry Indeed, pink and black, purple under melted pink, and much and many, many more. Anyway, this is The Infuse, so after several minutes of interest and that casual chat, we get down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years, the musical awakening. Anyway, Michelle, it's over to you.
1: I actually really liked Brian Ferry and Roxy Music when I was growing up. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So was that, because I have no idea, was that kind of, um, what decade was that, by the way?
1: Um...
0: 70s the 70s so yes okay so that was gives me a sort of an idea so you were slightly were you at the tail end or the, the the glam or were you sort of more late end of the 70s um
1: the glam side, I think. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. Yes. And did you did you because I had a brother who was very obsessed with I mean, he was seven years older than me, so I was kind of obviously influenced by him greatly. And but he was into prog rock. So I sort of as a very young person also thought that'd be cool to be into prog rock. Did you have any older brothers or sisters who kind of gave you any musical influence at all?
1: No, I was the I'm the oldest one.
0: Right. So it's just you would... me and my
1: brother. I'm a little bit older than you, David, a little bit um so my when I was growing up I used to love I sort of I used to like my mum's record collection and my dad's record collection so my mum was all about like Dusty Springfield, Scylla Black, Sandy Shaw and my dad was more kind of Neil Diamond, Johnny Mathis kind of thing and they they both liked um show uh, soundtracks film soundtracks
0: yes yeah so
1: yeah like Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar
0: they were quite hip parents then, weren't they?
1: Oh, they were. Yeah, I guess they were. Yeah, yeah. Because
0: my parents, I don't know. I mean, I, I came from the depths of the countryside, east in uh, East Anglia, so it was culturally quite barren, which is, you know, which is true. Um, but they were sort of that working class kind of family who they never had any kind of debt or any kind of um, yeah, they never borrowed money basically. So when I think when they got together in the late. 50s. I mean, they just kind of sold everything and just built a bungalow and then, you know, slowly added little bits to it over the decades. So I think we did we didn't seem to have a record player in the house until the early seventies. And when they when records started to appear kind of in a slightly magical way, you know, they 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 had really terrible country and western records that I remember finding quite great in. But my brother, as I mentioned, you know, had had various records, including, you know, um, this is like 74, 75 time, things like um, Sergeant Pepper by The Beatles and then also Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. So I was like really mesmerised with these kind of records and thinking... God, this is brilliant. I you know, this this is kind of music. But then obviously there was the charts, and we all loved, you know, sweet and, you know, like I mentioned, Slade and dear old Gary Glitter, which was unfortunate. So that's all good. But then, yes, then as the seventies progress. Did you then did punk come enter into your consciousness at that kind of point in seventy-six, seventy-seven time?
1: Um, I'm trying to think now. So firstly I was um, sort of you know mum's dad's influence so it's more sort of 60s and then my cousin got me into Queen and I really liked Queen for a long time I was yes. obsessed with Bohemian Rhapsody for a long long time um, and I think then as I got older I was I started getting to more 60s music so when punk was happening I was a bit more of a mod really right I, was, I, I used to go to like clubs and, and dance the 60s music and I was always into like 60s and go-go dancing and that sort of thing yes so my, my brother was more of a punk rocker and I was more of a mod really to be honest
0: yeah people were so tribal in those days did you <laughs> did you grow up in London by the way or was it yes
1: I was born in South London
0: right so my god mm. you already had a huge cultural kind of uh yes lead on on everything really didn't you because <laughs> where I kind of you know grew up you know on the borders of Norfolk and Suffolk it was just very you know musically it was kind of status quo and sort of rock, really, and. Um, and then more status quo. Really, that was that was it. And if anybody looked to like mod, they would just get beaten up and chased down the road. So, you 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 know, music things were so tribal in those days. So that mm. was kind of mm. an odd thing. But then this was kind of interesting culturally because then seventy nine Thatcher gets in. So then the eighties is kind of dominated with the Conservative government. But then we had the Falkland War, and then we had, you know, Greenham Common. We had the the miners' strike. So it was kind of a a pretty kind of intense time and then obviously music there was that punk period this is quite sweeping really then post-punk and then kind of the 80s came along and there was kind of a huge amount of there was the bat cave wasn't there there was the new paisley there was mod there was anarcho-punk scenes and stuff and then slowly indie pop came along so when you got to 16 did you did you leave school at that stage or did you stay on for college and university
1: I i went to i went on to do a levels and then um did my a levels and then i left and i actually went to london college of fashion to study fashion design
0: well i mean you were you were one of those hip kids did you go to the blitz club and all those kind of stuff no i was a
1: little bit too young i was just slightly a little tiny bit too young but um i missed all that unfortunately but the the guys that were above me in, in at london college of fashion they actually did used to go to the blitz club and they were all part of that movement but i was mm-hmm. a little bit too young but it was during that that time that i was at college that my whole life changed because basically um I, pal, I met a whole new lot of friends and they started taking me along to um sort of goss gigs I suppose but we're well, not goth I didn't call it goth then No. but like the zigzag club and the moonlight club and that's where I met Mick Mercer right and you know we forged our friendship um and just started going to see all these crazy bands and that's when I um I met Rob from Sex Gang Children and got together with him that's where it all started from
0: Wow, that's amazing! God, oh, yeah. that you were you were on a musical zeitgeist there, weren't you? <laughs> a, did you ever go to a place called? Oh yes, Alice in Wonderland.
1: I did at Gossip's. Yeah, I went a couple of times. Yeah,
0: yes, because I did. I did an interview with dear old Christian, who who sort of even, even did a book, and I sort of was quite mes, interested and mesmerised by it. And um, you know, frankly, we didn't have such exciting play, things in these in the in this sort of countryside at all. It we was a to.
1: great, great place. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. when
0: did you? When did sort of think? You know, because I've always just been a fan of you know in, the, in in the crowd. When did you sort of think, right? That's it. I might sort of progress and get out of this and become and go on stage. When did you find your voice and and become part of a band?
1: It was all Rob's fault because um, he was doing Sex Gang, get Sex Gang children, and then he left them and did another band and went up to live up north with another band called a Motai Cry who they later on became the guys from all about eve That's oh my god <laughs> yes yes it's all very it's all very incestuous my so yes he was, he was in sex gang and then he left sex gang came back to london uh because yeah came came back to me kind of thing and said oh i've left sex gang i'm going to do a band with you and then he said oh i'm actually going to go and join this band of motai cry who lived in yorkshire and then he left them came back to london and said well let's start doing music together and we did one gig and released one single. <laughs> um, and Mick Mercer started championing us, basically. He sort of came to the gig and he just loved us. And then he interviewed us for another magazine he was working at at the moment, at the time. Um, so that was my first sort of
0: yes. stage thing, So what, what was the name of that band? That was Pink and Black. Pink and Black. That was your big sing- Yes. Because I yes. saw, yes, I was watching... So that was with oh, okay. Oh, with, did it because I did an interview with Andy um cousin. Oh right. Was he in the band as well?
1: He was briefly, yes. Yes. He was
0: briefly. Because I remember when you said all about Eve, I sort of thought, Oh yes, I remember doing an interview with Andy. And so yeah. it, was, it was oh, so he was there. And you did the one single, Sometimes I Feel.
1: Yes, well it's actually called Sometimes I Wish, but it was meant to be <laughs> it said on the up on the sing, on the single sleeve Sometimes I Feel. But yes, that was it. That was us.
0: That was it. And you yeah. recorded on So I recorded it with concert. Rob,
1: but then we added Andy later on.
0: Right. And then
1: um me, Rob, and Andy and Andy's partner at the time, we all lived together. And we spent a little while um uh putting some music together and trying to get a record deal, but it didn't work out. So Andy ended up joining All About Eve. Yes. <laughs> Which is <laughs> fine, because Julianne was my friend at the time. So um
0: oh wow god yeah. <clears throat> yes because i know then he went on to being part of the mission didn't he as well yep oh that's um yes
1: so we're what all was... one quite incestuous bundle i'm afraid i
0: know you know that's kind of i'm quite envious really I wish, you know, that would be <laughs> me so kind of kind of but then sort of this is you know a very simplistic idea of the 80s really because i was a bit of an indie kid a bit, but yes. So eighty three, you know, the Smiths came along, and then five years, you know, it was the, for me. There was the sort of a bit of a soundtrack to that period. So the yeah, that was dominant. I think you know, it not-
1: was. uh I'm just checking. I think it was around eighty three that we did our pink and black gig, and re- and yeah, because because I got I have got a copy of Zigzag here that I just managed to find. to, to Oh, excellent! A bit of um, information. Nineteen eighty three. Uh, Nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Um, but then I think it was after, I can't remember exactly when, but I basically broke up with Rob and then I went on and joined Junior Manson Slags.
0: Right. That was your next one. That I know, was the next this, That was your so next musical adventure, wasn't it? Yes. Really. So this was with a whole other kind of group of people. Yeah, because because yes. I suppose I sort of hadn't realised until I was doing this these interviews that, you know, there's always kind of like these almost chapters. Every five years, there'd almost be another, you know, chapter of music. So you'd sort of get a scene and it was like, oh, very exciting, not so exciting. Oh. And then the crowd the, the people who follow it, I think when you're, you know, 15 to 16, you know, one's sometimes obsessed with something, you know, music, and then you get to that age where you can't be quite so obsessed. And then another wave the 16, 18 year olds come along or 15, 16-year-olds, and they kind of wanted to champion their new music. So for me, sort of between 83 to 87, you know, it was this like, wow, indie pop and all these bands, and it was all great. And then the Smiths broke up, and a lot of those bands that I liked were also kind of like thinking, I've just had enough. And also the other thing that happened was, I suppose ecstasy came along and suddenly there was a bit of a another musical movement and the music mm. papers mm. all wanted the next, you know, exciting sound. And it was like, yes, that's that's gonna be the end of the mighty lemon drops and the primitives. You know, no one was that interested anymore. And I mean, obviously there was other bands like the Sundays and My Bloody Valentine that came along, but yeah, you get the gist, don't you? It just, you know, a lot of people they have a five-year narrative in in a band. You know, they get together, they have that twelve-month of honeymoon, hopefully, because and then then the single, then you know, all oh, John Peel plays it, the John Peel session, the first album things going really well, then lots of Tori and second album things are going a little bit odd, and then it's just all over with a great amount of sort of, sort of, um, hurt sometimes, but you know, that's, it doesn't happen with every band, but, um, it's something that I've kind of noticed a bit really doing this. So then yes, Junior Manson Slag. So how did this band get together and, and form?
1: Well, basically we all met, uh, when working at the Virgin Megastore, the big, used to be the big Virgin Megastore in Oxford street it was yes. a few years ago. Um, and that's where I met Finn Panton, who was my, there's been, been three major characters in in my life, basically. Mick Mercer, Rob Stroud from Sex Game Children, who I'm still very good friends with, and Finn Panton, who is, of course, my dear friend who I was with in many, many bands and who passed away last year, unfortunately. Um, so I met Finn at Virgin, and um, also all the other characters were working at Virgin as well. So we put together the Junior Manson Slags. And Carl used to work there as well. He used to, Carl was at Junior Manson, That was, so he was the the, the lead singer. Of the and legs. Um, and Finn put it all together, you see. So we all worked with him for a few years. Um, and then when that finished, then Finn and I went on to do our dance single, which coincided with the, the Happy Mondays period, because it was like sort of that time when everyone's doing remixes. Yes. And Finn decided we should do a dance version of the Donovan song, Brabo Jaggle. Oh yes. Which you yeah. can find on YouTube. <laughs> Um, under the name Purple Under Melted Pink, Pump, P U M P. Oh, there's I've a well nice, that out. nice little video you can find.
0: <laughs> oh, well, well, definitely. But just with the Junior Manson Slags, you released, there was, you did three singles, didn't you?
1: Three singles, oh. yes.
0: Silver and Train, we did Two human.
1: Tours, Silver Train, um,
0: human, human Skin
1: Suits, and, the plastic, and
0: smile, uh, plastic Smile. Yes. So during that time, I mean, how come. Because obviously, a bit of momentum, eighty nine, exciting year, ish. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> how come the band didn't sort of continue, then, and you didn't sort of con- to keep that going?
1: It's a shame because we started off and we just, it was all going great. We we're doing loads of gigs and we got, um, we managed to get a little record deal um, through um, Maurice Bacon, who who we, we came, I think, then met Maurice Bacon, and he put together our own record label, Blitvert. And we started releasing stuff, and we did two tours. And the first tour went well, yes. and the second tour didn't go as well. Basically, these things happen, I suppose. Yeah, you know, we were like sleeping on stages because we had nowhere to sleep at night. And <laughs> We'd be play the venue, they went to sleep on the stage, or we'd ask people who could stay on their floors afterwards, and they just, you know, we just ran out of money. Um, so we did two tours, and the second tour didn't go very well. And mm-hmm. then by the end of the tour, the band kind of broke up. Really, it was a bit of a shame.
0: Oh, yes. Never mind. Oh, God, you had have, you have to have so much resilience at so this stage. Then was kind of music uh, your kind of side hustle? You know, you had a. You know, were you able to sort of fit it into your you know, life, you know, doing other bits and pieces during the yeah,
1: day? Yeah, uh, yeah. I've always worked and done music as well. Yeah, i never managed to do it full time, unfortunately.
0: Cause... So close. I know. So, yes. Yeah, so how did you, was Donovan one of those artists that you loved as a young person alongside people like Melanie?
1: I, I was very, yeah, I was very fond of Donovan, but it was Finn's idea. It was all Finn's idea because he organised the whole thing. Uh We managed to record it at, I think it was, he was, the guy was the drummer from Jethro Tull at some point. I think he was, a, you know, one of the Jethro Tull drummers. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we went to his lovely house in the middle of nowhere and recorded the single, Rabba a um, And then we got to, and then Morris organised for us to make a video for it and uh, got the photographer Derek Ridges to come along and take photographs and and help film it. So that's, that's how I met Derek Ridges. Also, I think I've met him before through Rob during the Backhoe days. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. Um, so we did the video, video for Brabberjaggle. And then after that, um, we did one, we did two gigs with Pump, I think. Yeah, one gig at the Falcon and one gig at the Rock Garden just to promote the single, basically. And because it was a dance mix, because it was that time, it was like a dance single, although we're not yes. really dance music, but we wanted the, the sort of sixty side of it. Because it was a dance mix, it was kind of fitting in with that, that moment, basically. And then that passed. So then um me and Finn carried on as um and we wanted to do Suck Henry.
0: Yes. Mickey's always
1: Mickey's always posting pictures of Suck Henry. We didn't actually <laughs> last that long as Suck Henry, but we did a did a handful of gigs. Yeah. And I mean, um we did a video on, for that as well.
0: Because you were on Ultimate with the previous one, weren't you? Who who Ultimate Records was the 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 Donovan track.
1: Yes, that's right. Yes, because
0: they were they were quite dominant in the in the nineties, weren't they? They sort of had their kind of moment. Um, they they were
1: looking at them. Yes, I mean I don't know who else was on them really. I think uh, there were a couple of bands.
0: There I was probably, things like Sensor, and then there was kind of that scene. That it was a bit of a kind of festy kind of world, wasn't there? Planet Dog, Eat Static, all those kind of bands. Banco, DeGayo, and people like that. So and I think we
1: were we were label mixed with like Love's Young Nightmare, who they were nice guys, and um there were other bands as well, actually. But but yeah, we had yes. just had the, the one dance single with with Ultimate basically. So so it was all to do with Maurice Bacon. We had Blipfurt for Junior Manson Slacks, and then Ultimate for the Brabo single. Yes. And then yeah. after that we went to me Finn went on to do from Pump went on went on to do Suck Henry. Yes. And then um, we actually, I actually met an old friend of mine from working at uh, Pinnacle, Carlton, and uh, he had the, I can't remember, his record label, this is terrible, I should have been more prepared. But basically (laughs) Carlton uh, put out our track So Depraved, four-track CD, and we made a video for that as well, which you can also see on YouTube.
0: (laughs) It's all there. Have you sort of during lockdown sort of felt, Probably haven't, but um, did you sort of want to sort of slightly archive all your kind of musical kind of endeavours during that, that sort of period?
1: Um, I was quite busy during lockdown because basically my current band, which I was oh. in with Finn, but then Finn passed last year, um, which we started in 2019 with Finn and some other guys, um, we decided to do um, an album during lockdown. We called it Lockdown Breakout. So basically, we all kind of recorded our little bits at home and worked on stuff. Yes, and we started um, a bit of recording before lockdown happened, and then while we were at home, while we had the, the time to do it at home, we would just got little bits and ideas together, and I me and Finn would be on the phone all time, all the time, like getting ideas together over the phone, and then when lockdown kind of finished, we put the album out. Yeah, and that's the Seeds of Seventy Seven.
0: Seeds of Seventy Seven, which is all very exciting, but so that's just. Like my current project. Your current project, which is my very prolific. Project. So with Suck Henry, that didn't last, I mean, you know, 92 period when you brought that out, I mean, that was almost like the, the beginning of the world of Britpop. Did you feel, you know, the band didn't have any kind of longevity at that stage? Did you sort of think, no, rather than, oh, my God, look, everyone's into Qatar bands. We should jump on that bandwagon.
1: I'm not sure, because when we did it, I mean, we were kind of, in the kind of grungy stage we were very grungy grungy and noisy you know but it was at the wrong time because people weren't being grungy and noisy at the time (laughs) we were but nobody else was um so it wasn't um I mean I think it sold a few copies but um yeah it was a bit weird
0: but we were enjoying ourselves that's the main definitely the main so then what (laughs) happens after after that because I I noticed there's some fantastic pictures that Mick Mercer keeps posting, doesn't he? Yes, he it does. Which <laughs> oh is which is great that he's archived it all, you know. Because actually, I done an interview with another photographer. It was Kevin Cummins who did, you know, sex bits or some Joy Division and lots of, and he's still doing them. But he often said that you know you have to leave those photographs. He kind of said, "You know, for about thirty or forty years before anybody's remotely interested, and then suddenly everyone wants pictures of those kind of moments in life." And I kind of realize that Mick Mercer has the same kind of, um, and the same kind of long term strategy. His pension fund, really, isn't it? Of all. These- <laughs> From the sort of 90s, which is great because, you know, I bought quite a few of his little bits and pieces because of the different clubs and different scenes that he was in. So, yes, you must be like, oh, yes, another, another reel from Mick Mercer of your musical compos,
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's nice. I mean, I, it's just, I just when you said you'd like to interview me, I was kind of like that's very nice but why but (laughs) because I've never really thought of myself as you know I'm certainly not famous I'm kind of infamous on the scene but I'm not not famous at all but because of Mick I'm always on Facebook because he's always putting pasting you know photos of my old bands and now he's now he's also doing this um other thing that from his panache fanzine so there's even more pictures of me going up everywhere Right. Like really old pictures of me, which is very really nice and very flattering. But I don't know why anyone would be that bothered really, to
0: be honest. Well, it's, yeah, well, it's interesting that it does take, you know, like um, there was a couple of years ago and it couldn't have been, it wasn't really about lockdown, but it was obviously the timing of it. They came out, there was, you know, books on the, you know, I suppose like things like CBG was in New York. And then there was mm-hmm. other kind of scenes in like, there was one in Boston and one in Texas. And these were all photographs from the 80s. And again, it was like the people, the person who took all those photographs thought, yep, they're great and they've continued a kind of career in photography, but those photographs were just put to one side and then I think someone said, my God, these are amazing pictures and and these bands have now become really popular, even though it's only 30 or 40 years ago. And it's like, really? It's like, yeah, we should do a book. And it's like, really? (laughs) And it's like, yeah, because they're great photos and it's kind of now become a bit of a... Yeah, I, archival, I suppose, and it, 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 you know, like I said, it, and everyone started writing and releasing books or publishing books during lockdown. And again, I think it was a project people had thought about and then thought, well, okay, let's write the book, you know, and uh, go yeah. in the attic and find out, all, find all those posters and you know flyers and. Yeah, sort of ticket stubs and stuff like that. And who will be interested? in Is oh god, so many people are interested. So yeah, that's that's when you came on the radar. Really, I started sort of going, oh, this is interesting. This is, <laughs> you know. And it was, and actually, what's really been nice is that you know people create a narrative of a decade or whatever scene, and and then there's these kind of other layers of it as well. So that you know, when you hear someone like Dylan Jones talk about the eighties, it's all very da 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 da. You know. Spandau, Bally, Sade, The Face, you know, Live Aid, you know, and all this, and you think, yeah, that wasn't my 80s at all, and then, you know, so I think it's kind of interesting hearing other scenes, and I think that's why the 80s and the 90s were so interesting, and I'm sure this decade will be interesting for the kids growing up in it but you know it's just like there are just different yeah different chapters and different bands that people go yes I remember that club that lasted three years and had all those like Eric's in in Liverpool you know it was like I'm sure at the time no one thought it was going to be that amazing but looking back you think god that was brilliant wasn't it so there you go yeah yeah, it's, it's true. So then as, a, as a, as so Suck Henry didn't, <laughs> great name. Um, <laughs> so then after that, what was your next kind of musical kind of uh, adventure?
1: I'm trying to think. Um, I think from Suck Henry, I did I did a couple of bands with friends that didn't really, just did a couple of gigs, but didn't actually do any recordings or anything. I was in a band called Los Tormentos for a while. Yes, it was just a friend's thing. Um, that didn't really. There was no. There's no photos or proof of that at all. No. Um, and I think after Suck Henry. Um, I think just years later, I just connect reconnected with Finn again, and I was just started to do bands with Finn because he was always around, and we were all doing bands together. And um, he did, the Australians. He put the Australian Stooges together, um, oh, yeah. and they did it like um they went australian but obviously but they were doing like you know covers of stooges and um my great friend john ribs was in them as as you know as doing the icky stuff Unfortunately, yes. he's passed as well i've lost a lot of my friends lately mm. but um so yeah so finn was doing australian stooges and then sometime later um so that, then we we started doing this band called fuck all else to do which there are great T-shirts about if you ever find them, they're really amazing T-shirts.
0: Yes, I'll
1: send you a picture of one after after the interview. I would love to, yes. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah. So, fuck all us to do was was ribs as well. Again, singing and me singing, and we used to do covers and 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 Stooges stuff, and that was quite fun for a while. Um, and then did just other bands with Finn. Really, we just did a Beatles band. We did um, what were they called? The, we did the punk Beatles for a while. And my stage name was Yoko Ono. Uh,
0: <laughs> this is great stuff.
1: Yeah, so we did that for a while. Um, lots of gigs at like um, 12 Bar Club and Dublin Castle. And, you know, just didn't do tours really, just literally lots, lots of gigs and had a laugh. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, and then just carried on until on and off, just doing various things. And then when Finn asked me to get together and do... Um, Oh yeah, and then I started my own thing, didn't I? Of course, I started doing um, my band with Terry from Used to Be in Sex Gang, Terry McClay. Excellent. Which one is this? Um, he he, just, we were kind of friends, and then he sort of came across me in, in Camden one day. I used to see him from time to time. He just came across me, and I this sounds really weird, but I just I had had this weird idea I could um, enter X, X Factor. So many many years. <laughs> I entered X Factor um, to see if someone like me could could do get anywhere with it. I thought, well, I don't know, but I'll give it a go, you know. Yes, absolutely. And I started doing um, open mic nights at this club called The Crazy Bear. And I entered X Factor and I got through to the first three rounds. But then that was it because basically I got to the first three rounds and then they sort of – it's really weird because they take you into this room and they descend upon you and they ask all these questions. They, they really want to dig the dirt on you because they want someone who's got a story to tell. Yes. And unfortunately I didn't really have anything that they could dig any dirt on or even, I mean, they could have made stuff up. <laughs> so they, they, they liked my, my look and my, you know, my act and everything. Um, Cause I basically went in doing um like dressed up as a cabaret artist with like a sort of twenties hairdo and a, uh, like a flapper dress. And I was singing N- Nimo- Nina Simone songs. Nice. And... Um, which might have been all right, but it just wasn't quite what they were looking for. So that was the end of my X Factor career. And then I just happened to bump into Terry McLean walking down Camden High Street one day, and he was like, Mish, I'm looking for a, a, a girl singer to front my new my new band. Do you want to join?" And I was just like, "Oh well, this will be interesting. Let's let's go for this." Yes. So we started up um, a band called Right in Paradise.
0: Fantastic! God, you're that is so prolific. This is good. <laughs> and did you did you get to record anything for this one?
1: Um there's stuff on uh cloud Yeah, there's stuff on nextcloud Um not nothing um uh, really kind of. Yeah, we did a couple of we did some recordings because at the time I was working at the Roundhouse and because I worked there for a while, Roundhouse in Short Farm. Yeah. And they had a recording studio and they uh, let us do a little recording session there. Because I was working there basically. Yes. Um and we did, had a little we had a little mini recording session which went on nextcloud cloud. So you can find that if you want to listen. So yes. that's right right in paradise. And um that was that was quite fun. It was it was quite nice. Um and then uh Terry left. Oh no, first no, first of all, we had to re- we had to replace the bass player. And we replaced the bass player with um my really good friend John Rigby. Yes, um, who is now in Sex Gang Children, funnily enough. <laughs> that's another story so John Rigby joined Brighton paradise so we were happy doing that me Terry John and our drummer whose name escapes me oh our, our drummer Benno um and then Terry decided to go back to sex gang he didn't tell me he just left he just left the band and like and then someone said one of my friends said to me well what are you going to do now Terry's left the band and I said well what do you mean Terry's left the band and then Terry said oh yes I've joined I've rejoined sex gang
0: Yes, I was like, okay, my well, mind. Yes, yeah, strange, I, I. was it? okay,
1: well, I'm I'm really happy for you. Like you know, good luck and everything, um, which was fine. But then he came back. He he came. He started um messaging John Rigby sometime later, and he stole him from me. Well, he was my friend. I mean, John said, you know, do you mind if I if I go and do some tryout with Sex Gang? And I was like, well, God, this is amazing for you. Of course, go. You know, I'm just in this little tin pot band. Of course, go and join Sex Gang. And he's still with Sex going now. Oh. And Terry's left Sex Gang. But John's with them. So basically, um, so me and John are still, are now doing a band together called Azrael. So we haven't done any, we, um, we went from um, Right in Paradise to Azrael. Yes. But we haven't. And um, we did um, a couple of gigs, um, a couple of gigs at ElectraWorks. Uh, but then sort of lockdown happened. Um, I joined up with Sin and started doing C77.
0: See, that's yes.
1: So it, it all kind of all it all it meshed together. It's really weird. Like whenever I leave a band, there always be another band that's kind of waiting for me to join. Yeah. Really, another not. another project. So I do, um,
0: yes, I hadn't realized that sort of the the Sex Gang Children was such a sort of feature, and it's because I have done an interview. It's with been with a Andy massive feature in your life. Yes, because I've done an interview with Andy. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody else who was either in the band or kind of hovers around the band that I've done. I must look, but I always had re- I have real problems if I have to post up any interviews with that title. Oh, okay. Like they, they they kind of you know you have to change it quite radically. And I think they have yeah. changed it a bit as well, haven't they? To I can't remember what they call themselves, but they they sometimes have to change it slightly because otherwise Podbean or you know they they you know it's like kind of alerts people, doesn't it? Really, that name. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't think that through in 1980. So, um, yes, my God. So So, I didn't, I I had no uh, idea that that whole band just followed you like some sort of, you know.
1: It's so weird, yeah, because, you know, originally I I met Rob by going to, you know, go to see Sex and Children. And I was, you know, um, I got to go to like lots of like the recording session. They did this massive, really good recording session with Tony James. And, you know, and I was, a big part of all that, just, just being there because I was with Rob, basically. Yeah. And, and now Rob's back with Sex Gang Children as well. So Terry, Terry went back. Rob went back. Um, and then my ba- my bass player John left and joined Sex Gang Children. Terry left. Now they've got another um, guitarist who I kind of know, but I don't. I don't know. I know him a little bit, but I don't know him that well. Yes. Um, and I've carried on doing music. With Finn, well, it was with Finn, but now thin has passed. So, um with the other guys from season 77. And I intend to do more stuff with John in the future, as with our side project.
0: Which is going to be called, cool. did you say God? Asrael. Right. So, that Af- is definitely. After a... my cat, basically. <laughs> That's a good cat. Because yes. we
1: couldn't get a name for in time for the for gig. So, we just called ourselves Asrael after my cat.
0: It's it's a good my god so god I had no idea the you know complexity and the speed that your your bands are going through actually <laughs> but the, but seeds of seventy seven seem quite settled well not settled but but you know you've done quite a lot of tracks haven't you and they're all on Bandcamp
1: yes that's right yeah that's our, our lockdown breakout album yes
0: and, and then... we're currently
1: um, putting together some new stuff because the the set we've been doing is, is uh, we've been doing it for quite a while now. Um, So I think it's time to sort of write some new material, and we've still got some songs that Finn was me and Finn were working with before he, you know, where he went, he went. Um, And uh, so we're going to start. I think that's the next step: start writing some new material or
0: working on some new material. Yes, my God, you've never lost the appetite for music, have you?
1: No, 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 I can't. I can't. I have to. I love it. I love. I love being. Well, actually,
0: one thing I've noticed from doing this show is that most people. There were times when, you know, people have just had to say, "Look, you know, I'm gonna have to get a proper, not a proper job, but you know, I've got bills. I've got to get a job, and the music's gonna have to be put to one side." But it still always keeps coming back into the into mm-hmm. one into people's lives who once tasted that kind of, I wouldn't say forbidden fruit, but I mean, you know, it's like just that oh, I can't help it. You know, it's just gonna have to, even when people have tried desperately to sort of like some addiction, like I'm not gonna do that anymore, and it's like. Oh, no, I can't help it. I just love it too much. So you obviously got the same urge and feel for me. I've just been
1: very lucky. I've just managed to, I've been able to work with some really amazing people. You know, yes. And, and their friends as well, but just really amazing musicians. And if you Very, could very have... talented people.
0: I know. And there's a couple of kind of scenes in London, aren't there? There's a guy, is it the guy, her Swell Maps? I don't know what his name is, but there's a whole bunch of people that seem to... Um, swirl around in these little communities and everybody kind of has known each other. And I think there was people like Daniela Dax and I think David Knights and sort of various people and they all they always keep appearing on Mick Mercer's kind of photos, doesn't don't they? Yes, because
1: um w- weird story we I I well when we were with the mancinny Man-Sys, Sags, um when we released our first was it the first EP we used to do this track called the way the Way You Touch My Hand, which is a, a cover by the nomads. And Ivo from 4 AD really liked it. And he got us to have a, a little um interview with him. So we went to long to see him because um, he was sort of quite interested in us. Uh, at the time. And I know I'd met Ivo previously through um through Julianne and my friend Marina. Like, you know, we used to hang around with all the 4 AD crowd. So I just knew him from there. Yes. So he sort of got, he said he really liked, I mean, it's likes on this song. And yeah, we were sitting in the pub and he said to us, oh, okay, so if we're going to do this, some recording together, um, who would you like to produce you? And I said, I'd really like Steve Albini. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really did. like Steve Albini. And yes. he said, well, that might be a bit a bit difficult um, to, to you know, to arrange. And I think the Pixie Surfer Rosa had just come out and he was oh. He, was, he was, was his pride and joy, you know, he was holding, holding a copy of it in, in the pub and saying, you know, this is our, our latest release. We're really, really into all this. And he said, well, can you think of somebody else who'd like to produce you? And so we we asked for Daniel Dax because we liked her as well. Yes. And then she came along to our gig at the the Town & Country, which the old forum. Well, the new, yes. it's called the Forum now, but it was called Town and & Country. And basically Ivo put us on the bill. It was, um, sounds crazy now. The was Throwing Muses were the headline. The Pixies were on the middle and we went on first and everyone hated us, as you can imagine. <laughs> we weren't really cool like the Throwing Muses and the Pixies and they were very uber cool at the time. Wow. And, Dan- and Daniel Dax came along to meet us to see if we wanted to work together. But unfortunately, my band got a bit inebriated, shall we say, and they kind of chased her away.
0: <laughs> mm, bad timing actually so she, that...
1: she, didn't, she didn't want to work with us after that we made friends after that and we saw her after that because um we came across her and became you know quite quite chummy me yeah. and her and because uh, she knew we knew the same people um but yeah we didn't get to work together in the end
0: oh yes i remember it yes it's slightly <laughs> connected joel head that's the guy who's kind of part of that scene swell maps.
1: oh yeah I Yes. Don't know if
0: you, because actually, it's interesting you mentioned Ivo, because recently, well, last year, there was a film about a band called Rima Rima that came out. And that was a, the first band that was signed to 4AD Records. And they only lasted eight months in 1979 and they only released one EP. And and bizarrely, I was saying at the beginning how these like really small things suddenly Forty years later, people make a whole film about them, and um, yes, so that was kind of interesting. You, you had an Ivo story because, obviously, <laughs> um, yes, that was kind of amazing. That you know, this this kind of one EP that um, everybody just kind—they of, didn't just love it but, actually, because it kind of you know, it kind of they came got a lot away of attention.
1: And, yes, it was it,
0: nice. yeah. yeah, and there was yeah. Do- and Dorothy Max Pryor, who's now written a book about her sort of time because she was in Throbbing Muses. Throbbing robin gristle and god i'm getting confused god this is a <laughs> great thing of age isn't it she was in it but so was marco peroni who went into adamant and then other people went into various other bands on 4ad records so yeah it was kind of a very prolific time and also yes because nick's
1: that... just taken just sent some put some photos up of that 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 lineup actually dorothy max Pryor and marco peroni
0: right the really? other day
1: it's it's on his um His panache fanzine thing, his new thing he's doing.
0: Right. God, I must go and check that out, actually. You
1: must, yeah, yeah. I'll send you a link to it. you probably find it very interesting.
0: Yeah, and do... It's called
1: Substack. It's called Substack, and you can just, you can um, subscribe. Yeah. I mean, you can pay or not pay. If you don't pay, you still get the photographs. But I think you'd probably like you probably like the photos he's doing.
0: I would love to photo photos. I find them I'm very a, useful. I'm a, I'm a sucker for photos, actually. I'll
1: definitely send you the link then. Oh,
0: do. Yeah, yes. I mean, I do, you know, we all keep getting all these emails, which are fascinating, but you, then you have to go, I must get on and do something else today other than looking at pictures. But yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you get a chance, go and see, see this film called Rima Rima, because mm. oh, the other guy in it called... Um, Gareth Asquith went on to Renegade Soundwave. So it's quite an interesting lineup, actually, of people. And then this guy managed to make a film about this one band who released one EP in 1979. Can you imagine it? But it's a fascinating film. I won't spoil it, but it's quite mind blowing in places. Um,
1: I remember Renegade Soundwave because, um, again, to do with Maurice Bacon, he got us on this uh, TV program called Snub TV.
0: Oh, God, did you, yes. Did
1: you ever see that? Yeah, oh, yeah. We, were actually, we actually got our video on the end of Snub TV and we got a, I think we got an interview as well. And on one episode of Snub TV, Renegade Soundwave were on with that song, yes. Pro- Probably a Robbery.
0: Probably a Robbery. I remember it,
1: it. it, yes. It was great.
0: It all happens, doesn't it? But interesting that gig that you played with Throwing Muses and the Pixies, I went to see that at the UEA. Did you? Oh, my God. In 79, because I remember my friend was very excited and we were at the front and I think it was Kim Dill, Passed a can of beer to him, and I was like, "Oh my god, keep that beer, that can." You know, Kim Dill. Yeah, we
1: we met all those guys, and they were so nice. They They were were really nice.
0: Yes, I know it was. But like,
1: it was was really hard to go on first for those guys, as you can imagine.
0: Yes, and
1: then my my guys got quite drunk anyway, so
0: that was the end of that. that Yeah, so look, if you could have. Oh my God! You've done. You sound like a real rock and roll survivor on this. Actually. Just, <laughs> just not, you know, to to stay in the kind of the music world is not easy, is it? Really, let's face it. Um, so, if you could have whispered something like to your sixteen-year-old self, start now. Is there anything that you would have gone? Yes, this would have been a good thing to have thought about, or some bit of advice that would have helped down the line. Even if that person would have ignored it, because obviously, when we're sixteen, we know everything.
1: Oh God, I don't know. When I was sixteen, I mean
0: if you if you I just wonder if there was any well you know like, you know like wise words or life's lessons that you thought god yeah that that would have been a good thing to have um passed on or that would be a good thing to tell anybody but my 16 year old self I just wondered if there was anything that you would have just whispered in their ear
1: nothing I can think of right now if I do I'll let you know well, don't
0: worry. No, that's fine. I mean, most, <laughs> most people sort of think, well, even though that there were mistakes, one kind of can learn from mistakes and, got, you know, that's that's all good. But I just wondered if there was anything you would have called. Yes, I would have said do more. Actually, I was going to say do more yoga, but you do yoga, don't you?
1: Yeah, I'm a yoga teacher, yes.
0: You're a yoga teacher. Yes. You know? See, Some of us have to get into it later on in life and think, God, I wish I'd done this 30 years ago, It would have been so much useful. Never too I late. Have- Never no, no, long. I'm I'm still, I'm started. So um, <laughs> and hamstrings and all that kind of stuff. So just taking it to the present day then, you're, because it's kind of a lot to take in there. So Seeds of 77 still going. Is yes. That, and then what were the other, the bands that you then have got projects that you're working on for, for the sort of future reference that we can Yeah. Um,
1: well, Azrael, which is with John Rigby, who's in Sex Gang. Yes. He's quite busy with Sex Gang. They're actually about, they're actually doing a tour i think next week so they played the lexington a couple of weeks ago i went along to that yeah and then um they've got a couple of dates they're playing bristol um so three b's rob said bristol birmingham brighton i don't think brighton
0: Bristol,
1: birmingham maybe boss not sure but um but yeah it was really nice to see them and, and they did a lot of the old stuff which was really nice so that brought back a lot of memories. Excellent. <laughs> Going that's, to see
0: them. Yeah. That's good. So is that one and then there's two. Is there any other musical projects you've got?
1: um well I'm I'm doing a couple of um I'm working on a couple of songs with some some friends. I'm working on a country song um for my friend Dave Earl. Um it's his song but he just wants to me to sort of do a, like a version of it. Yes. Um, he's in a band called the Band of the Underhand, and he's been. I met him when he was in Lightning Strike because when right. we, we were like we all know each other from like way back. Um, and he just said, "Oh, I'd really like to hear a female vocal on this track," so I'm trying to get time to sort of obviously because I never have time to do anything. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to get time to do a nice vocal for that for him. Um, and I'm working on. Um, this, the, we have the singer, the main singer from v 77, is a guy called Vincent. And he's this incredible lyric writer. He's so good and so talented and such a, a real lovely person to work with. And he's given me a couple of songs to, to work on as well. So that's my sort of side project. Yes. This is good. This so is when I get so a chance, good. I just kind of, you know, put a few things down. Because we did one song, I don't know if you would have heard it, on the C77 album, which is like a, a ballad, shall I say. Like Vince calls it his Soppy song. Right. And he he'd sent the, the lyrics over, which well, it's a couple of years ago now. and. um he said, "Oh, I've done this like a soppy song. Like, should we do like a soppy song?" And I said, "Well, you know, let's let's see what it's like." And he sent the lyrics over, and I thought, "Oh, they're they're really nice." And the keyboard player Simon went off and and fiddled around and came up with this this song, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's quite nice." And I thought that I'd I'd really like to sing on this song, and so um, I put a version out, and then the the guitarist Richard put a version out. But I said to Finn, "I really want to be on this song," and Finn said, "Well." we'll see see which which works out the best but everyone liked my version and that's become one of the standout tracks on the album even though it's completely different to everything we do it's an absolute ballad it's like basically a a soppy love song but it's it's quite sweet but it's nothing like anything else we do (laughs) and it's called lost and found and Mm -hmm. nick liked it so much he played it on his radio show which i thought was really sweet
0: oh fantastic yes i can see it here yeah, Lost and lost Found. Lost and Found. This is the one we've all got to go and. and um, it's a really
1: slow song, yeah.
0: It's all good. It's all and also,
1: good. another thing I did during lockdown, I don't know why I did this, but basically, I was trying to write, um, I was at home writing a song one day, and I got this idea to um, to write a song based on nursery rhymes, because I do that sometimes. I, w- I work on nursery rhymes, but I make them quite dark.
0: Yes.
1: And it ended up becoming a poem. So I'd ended up doing the poem. And I'm filming it in front of my fireplace and I sent it to Mick and he absolutely loved it. And he put it on his show as well. He plays on one of his mix clouds. Excellent. I'll send you that as well if you want to hear it.
0: Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, it's quite, so, and, I'll send and, you the video if you like. I'll send it to you on Facebook. So do you, when it's your project, what do you, what do you go as on this one?
1: Oh, it's just me. It's just, it's either my Facebook name, Michelle Mitchie Chung, or it can be Mitchie Sin or Right. Sin Sin's my stage name, but. I think yes. I just feel like maybe I should call myself Mitchy now.
0: maybe <laughs> I should just go back to Michelle. I'm not sure. I don't mind really. It's kind of tricky. Yes. God, what was I going to say there? Did you ever get into bands then like the Miranda sex garden and that kind of scene as well? Was that something? Cause I think that was kind of the nineties as well, but I don't know if they, they came into your kind of orbit, but I know that. Yes.
1: I, I love all those bands. And like, she used to know one of the girls from um, not Miranda sex garden, but the, you know, the current guys, um, um, medieval Babes. Yes. One of my friends was in Medieval Babes for a while. Um, So, uh, yes, I love all those guys. Yeah, definitely.
0: It, um, Very talented. There's Catherine Black, Blake. Isn't it? Catherine, Catherine Blake, yeah. She's the one. But then there was another band called Wasted Youth, who I recently did an interview with. with oh, right. Rocco and a guy called Ken. And then they had a, a woman. Bass player who was part of Miranda's Sex Garden, I think, and possibly oh, okay. Medieval Babes. But that, yeah, I mean, you know, well, I suppose it's quite interesting. It's just kind sort of having sort of, you know, picked up that a lot of people just are kind of like moving from one little band in London to another, aren't they? Sort mm. of going, oh, yeah. actually, I've got a, I've got a good play bass player or drummer. So it's quite, it's quite a lovely, you know, image for us people elsewhere in the country thinking, you know, oh, yes, there's always kind of a little projects going on that people have. Uh, putting together so that's great we love
1: doing it i mean I don't, I don't want to get to the stage where i just have to do it i mean i can't really do it as, as a you know a career unfortunately i can't make enough money from it but i just like to do it and i just i love playing like we did we played um a little little lunchtime gig a couple of weeks ago at the half moon, half moon putney which i'd never been to always wanted to go to the half moon putney because it's famous isn't it it's like it's you know, to, and i thought wow half moon putney it's a, a a lunchtime gig it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant. Yes, we played with the witch doctors and the red red anger, and it was a the venue was full. The venue was lovely. Everyone was really lovely. It was just a brilliant, brilliant afternoon, and our best yeah. gig so far, I
0: think. God, that's yes. There you go. I've just seen the picture, uh, the poster for it. Yeah, it's all there. So really, yeah, the best place to find stuff is on your Facebook page, isn't it? For, for yes. musical <laughs> moments, oh, that, no, but it's good, isn't it? God, I mean, it's so complicated when people. Scatter things all over the shop and you think, oh God, that's gonna be really I
1: think cool. people will get a bit sick of my photos sooner because they've seen them so many times. Um I don't, I don't I don't post the recent photos now, really. I don't really do many photos so much. But, um, and I thought yeah. what I would tell my 16-year-old self, I'd say things like, um, live each day like it's your last. Like don't waste any time. Don't Try waste not, don't waste any time. Live each day like it's your last.
0: Yes. Because that's I think good. too
1: many people waste time and then, and then it's like, it's just gone, isn't it? And it's really sad.
0: It's, yes, it's all very fast, isn't it? Like I was saying at the beginning, you know, suddenly, you know, you suddenly go, oh my God, am I really in my late 50s? Yes. Oh God, how did that happen? Never mind. <laughs> it's like, it, does, it does speed, doesn't it, really? It does. So, it
1: does go really quickly. I remember so. Finn saying to me, I always said to, like, we, we always thought that Finn would like, would, would like to, would probably like to die on stage because that's the way he was happiest. He was happiest being on stage. And I think he would have said the same, like, live each day like it's your last, because he just got the, the mu- as much out of life as he possibly could, as long as he could.
0: And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview. Wise words, that was me in conversation with Michelle Michi-Yi Chong talking about her life in music and uh, much more. Anyway, that's uh, that's it. This has been David Easton, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me for some nice reason, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. I do my best. All these have been uh, archived on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeams. True. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.